Hi, I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Emmy and Academy Award winner, Terry Sanders, and we're going to talk about his latest work, Liza Liza, Skies Are Gray. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Janine. Tell me how uh, you came up with the idea of this new film. Well, this film is a, once that's a new film, but actually I wrote the screenplay, believe it or not, uh, 50 years ago, about Whoa. 1969, because I've been making films for a lot of years. Yes. And uh, this uh, screenplay came out of my own youth and youthful experiences and falling in love for the first time, pretty much. Aww. And uh, I just uh, decided to write this screenplay, and it almost got made uh, back in the 60s. It's, it's a period piece. Uh, it takes place in, the, in 1966. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it almost got made in the 60s or early 70s because uh, the newly formed American Film Institute was going to produce one film a year that the studios were going to finance, and this was going to be the first film. Unfortunately, that deal with the studios fell through, and I just put the screenplay on the shelf until many, many years. Many, later. many, many years. <laughs> yeah, my filmmaking daughter, Jessica Sanders, who's also an Oscar nominee and, and Sundance winner, uh, read it said, Dad, you ought to make this. And uh, it's great. Know, I've made about 70 or 80 films, lost count over the years, and most of them documentaries, even though I started in dramatic films. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, producing uh, and co directing Robert Redford's very first movie back in the 60s. But uh, that's amazing. Doing dozens of documentaries, so I decided, yeah, it's time for me to, uh, <laughs> to uh, with the encouragement of my daughter, um, I set out and I made the film. That's great. I, I want to mention in 1994, you won an Academy Award for best. I did. Yeah. With my partner wife, Frida Lee Mock, uh, we won for uh, Maya Lynn, A Strong, Clear Vision, a feature documentary. But that was actually my second Oscar because the first one was for a Civil War short story that my brother and I did together when we were UCLA students. Mm -hmm. And it won the Oscar and the Venice Film Festival. Uh, first prize and a lot of other awards. That's fantastic. How did you uh, cast this film? Well, the story is about a 15-year-old girl and a 16-year-old boy growing up in Southern California in 1966 and under a lot of pressure from the Vietnam War and uh, the threat of nuclear destruction just decide to be each other's first and run off together up the California, beautiful California coast on the boys' motorcycle. So the girl in the story is 15, and the one thing I knew I did not want to do was cast a 20-year-old as a 15-year-old girl, as I've seen nice. in many coming-of-age films. So my first priority in casting was to find a 15-year-old uh, girl actress to play the role of Liza. So I had the help of a, a casting agency. Mm -hmm. I had many, many auditions for uh, young women. The, 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 I had to be, they had to, they wouldn't audition. I wouldn't want them to audition unless they were at least uh, 
you know, under 17, 17 or under. Sure. So uh, Mikey Madison, who was actually, I think, 14 at the, at the time I auditioned her, came with her mother, uh-huh. and she, she was perfect for the role, and, I, and she wanted to do it very much, which was very important. Good. And, uh, I mean, I couldn't ask for anyone better. And at that point, I knew I had the beginnings of uh, the casting. And I cast everybody else based on uh, who who fit around her. And the, and the second most important, of course, was Brent, who was to play a 16-year-old. He was actually, I think, 17 at the time. Okay. Um, but, you know, they were within the parameters I was looking for. And they had good chemistry between them. They just took right. And uh, I went on from there. That's great. Now, where does your love of motorcycles come from? I... Uh, I've always uh, admired, in a way, the uh, freedom that motorcycles give one. It was like uh, cowboys in the Old West, you know, riding mm-hmm. their horse. Go almost anywhere. And, and I, I had a motorcycle when I went to UCLA Film School and lived in Beverly Hills, just in order to have fine parking. Um, yeah, at UCLA was the main reason I, I bought it. I bought it actually an old... Uh, uh, Indian. How did I know uh, you were going to say an Indian? I don't know why I thought you were going to say an Indian. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 Well, I like the name. I love the name Triumph, which mm-hmm. is what uh, Rhett rides. And, and I love the, the word Indian. Yeah, it's very, uh, I don't know. Names are important. Yeah. Anyway, I rode the motorcycle for a while, but I was not a biker. You know, I just rode it for transportation. And um, I love how you instilled that in the film, how he rides a bike. It, I feel like you instilled other parts of yourself as well. Well, virtually everything in the film, while it's not strictly autobiographical at all, really, but everything in the film is an element, something from my youth, something I either lived through, saw, uh, witnessed, heard, you know, just little pieces. And a lot of my father actually is in the film. That's nice. And, and also my mother. What parts of your father and your mom are in the film? Well, small parts, like like when uh, one of the kids uh, in the car gets almost sideswiped by another car and he yells, uh, holds up four fingers and says, four fingers to you, mother. You know? <laughs> My father taught me that. Four fingers. It's a, people wonder what it means. It doesn't mean a damn thing, but drives people crazy trying to figure it out. Right. So I got that from my father. And then when the kids are in the uh, in the diner and they're fooling around with uh, paper uh, paper straws and and the uh, you know what paper straws come in and, yes. and they. Make they make sort of moving uh, worms out of them. That that was from uh, from my father, and just a lot of a lot of little things, you know. What are some messages you'd like people to take away from the film? Messages. Well, I just hope people feel that it has uh, reality, you know, to it. That it's not. Uh, it's based on a lot of human feelings and and universal feelings i just want them to uh, enjoy it really and, and uh yeah and just love these kids 
By the way, uh, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Terry Sanders. And I put all your information with links to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube uh, for your film on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Um, what advice would you give to people that are um, filmmakers or they're interested in making films and writing scripts? Okay, well, you know, um, if, it's the difference between, there are differences between people who are filmmakers and people who are interested in writing scripts. Right. For, for me, uh, the most important thing as a filmmaker is creative control and creative freedom. And sometimes uh, uh, there's, there's probably less money in that goal, but it's more satisfaction. And uh, my advice is to, uh, I mean, film school, I think, can be important, but it's not absolutely necessary. But a year of film school is, is a pretty good start where you can learn the basics, the basic tools of how to make a film. But real learning comes through making films. You learn through doing, and there's, there's sort of no substitute for that. And I would say start on small films, you know, a minute, a right. couple of minutes, shorts. Um, is that because uh, you learn, you learn from failing actually as well as success. You learn and what you do well, and you learn what you don't do well, and you don't want to spend a lot of years or time on doing things that you don't do well. So discovering your, your talents is like really, really important. And uh, you have to have a love of the medium and you have to, it has to give you satisfaction or, or don't get into it, you know, because there's a lot of other things to get into than filmmaking. But mm -hmm. if you're really determined to be a filmmaker, yeah, just learn through doing and ultimately, uh, either write your own script or find a, a writing partner who's uh, just a filmmaking partner who's who, who can do that with you or for you even because uh, filmmaking is a collaborative medium. I mean, one person rarely does everything. Yeah. Um, it's, and so finding people to work with and also it's very important is finding people not to work with. Oh yes. <laughs> Avoiding, a, a terrible people is, is part of the art of life, really. Whether it's whether it's lawyers or doctors or or lovers or whatever, uh, just try, the, the art is to find uh, just terrific people to to be with and work with. That is the key to life, isn't it? I think it's certainly one of the big keys. Yeah. And now it feels like a good time for people who want to write to take the time because here we're in quarantine to, you know, to take that vision and put it on paper. Absolutely. Actually, writing, I always say, is the golden key to, to filmmaking because there are a lot of uh, some very successful, even Oscar-winning producers and directors who can't do a thing without the script, you know, without a script. And they're, they're just they just begging for a good screenplay. Uh, and so writing is definitely the golden key. And one of the things I did uh, some years ago, as I'm proud of, is a series called Screenwriters Word into Image. Mm -hmm. It's a six-part series. It's uh, available online on Vimeo. 
uh, Vimeo on Demand, and it, it takes six top screenwriters and uh, and interviews them and also shows clips from their films. And I think it's inspiring to realize that, uh, well, that, that A, they, they did it and were successful. And also it's very interesting that the only happy screenwriter was Neil Simon, because he was the only screenwriter who could say, well, the director that I picked to do this film, all the other screenwriters are the, the low end of the totem pole. Even Robert Town says, says that, and even though he's incredibly successful. Uh, and the, the, the point is that uh, unless you, uh, you, the screenwriter has no real control over the end product. You have to be a, a, a director yes. with, with, creative, with creative control. Right. And the, the one thing about filmmakers today and why it's more open to young people is digital technology has made it so almost anyone can afford or with a little help from maybe family and friends can afford to actually make a feature film whereas in the past uh, you couldn't even start without having to buy a costly film have it developed sync it up to, uh, it's just, it was like huge costs before we even got rolling <clears throat> whereas yeah. today Almost anyone uh, with a very inexpensive and high, high quality though camera can can shoot. Sure, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I feel like it's a great um, outlet for people right now to go out and do that. I think it's a great outlet. Uh, well, for one thing, <clears throat> I, I just actually finished another film, uh, a feature documentary called Ninth Circuit Cowboy. It's about the Harry Prakerson, who was one of the great humanitarian judges in the United States who died at 93 after 50 years on the bench. Wow. He was uh, a member of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And he was known for, uh, when he was uh, before the Judicial Committee, he was asked, uh, if you had to choose between your conscience and the law, which would you pick? And he said, that's a really uncomfortable question. But... He, he told them, because he was a former Marine wounded in the battle for Okinawa, he said, my conscience is made up of uh, the Bill of Rights, the Ten Commandments, the, the Marine Corps Oath, and the Boy Scout Oath. And if I had to choose, I would pick uh, my conscience. I just confirmed. And that was, he's just an extraordinary man. Anyway, I... Got in under the wire as far as the virus thing. I, I finished filming just before the whole thing broke. But editing a film is great, and, and you, you know, in, my, in your own space, you don't have to uh, go out. And I was able to do all the uh, sound mixing and everything remotely by email with uh, someone who's working alone. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, possibilities of filmmaking today that don't require close contact with a lot of people yeah it's amazing it's an amazing time we live in to be able to do that yeah, yeah. i mean obviously uh there are problems that have to be there there are problems but actually filmmaking is just uh problem solving really yes and putting out fires well i guess that's the same thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, lot, a lot of putting out fires and, yes and also discovering uh solutions that you you didn't know existed but often in filmmaking 
uh, you come upon a uh, kind of wall, and, how, you know, and you find out ways of getting around the wall. Yes. And, and it makes the film better than if you if there weren't a wall. So obstacles are often a challenge. Challenge leads to uh, discovery. Yeah, which could lead to a better film. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap up. I want to just mention that the film is on Facebook, Liza Liza Movie, and also on Instagram, Liza Liza Movie. Um, and there is a trailer on my show blog as well, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Is there a website they can go to or find yeah, you? It's on, it's on virtually all the platforms, including uh, Amazon. Um, everything, okay. I think. Fantastic. Well, Terry, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and congratulations on your film. Thank you so much, Janine. Good, good luck to you. Thank you. Okay. Stay well. Okay.